Okay, we're back. Uh, so now we're going to look at uh, Amos and Obadiah. <coughs> Sorry. Okay, so Amos is... Um, is a prophet to Israel, but it's really a warning for Judah to learn from Israel's example. So, uh, verse 1 says, The words of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa. So he was a shepherd in Tekoa, which was in Judah, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. So there was a big earthquake in 765 BC. So he's saying two years before, so 767, he's prophesying uh, through to 750. Okay. Um, so it's mostly, uh, Amos is mostly about judgment. Okay. And not really much focus on restoration. Um, yeah, before the destruction in 722 BC. And um, it begins with uh, judgment on the nations. So remember, we've seen that frequently in the prophets, that they'll have a section where they talk about God's judgment on the nations. And the nations here are especially uh, neighbors of Israel. So if you look at verse 3... Thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Damascus. So <clears throat> that's Syria, that's to the to the north of Israel. So judgment on Damascus. Uh, verse six, transgress three transgressions of Gaza. Okay. Uh, verse nine, three transgressions of Tyre. What does it mean by three transgressions of whatever and for four I will not turn away the punishment? Uh, that's a, just a Hebrew way of, of uh, speaking. Because uh, I, I remember that in Proverbs. Proverbs, right? yes. Yeah. But like um, this, these three things, right? and the fourth thing I don't understand, and these three things, and the fourth thing, something like that. Yeah, it's just a poetic way of speaking. Um, oh. So for three transgressions of Tyre and for four. So it's for three, but there's four. So it's, it's, it's just. Um, God's going even further. They're, they're worse than just the three. They're, um, okay. They allowed to get to four. Okay. But it is a poetic way of, of speaking. Uh, then it talks about the, the transgressions of Edom, verse 11. And our next book, Obadiah, will deal with Edom. Okay, so we'll, we'll look at Edom in, in a bit closer. The Ammonites, chapter 2, talks about the Moabites. And so it starts off, if you were an Israelite, this is pretty cool. Okay? Mm. You know, you would be, preach it, brother. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, um, the Lord's going to judge those guys, you know, those nasty neighbors of ours who 
try to destroy us. But then we come to chapter 2, verse 4. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. But their lies have led them astray, those after which their fathers walked. So I will send a fire upon Judah and it shall devour the strongholds of Jerusalem. And then the next verse, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Uh, so, the what what I remember what I told you with um, Hosea was that at this time there was a lot of prosperity, financial prosperity, but underneath there was incredible cruelty and corruption, okay, and oppression. So look at that statement there. They sell the right. They were selling children into slavery. Um, what righteous means there? They sell the right. They sell children. Well, it's elsewhere talks about it as well. Um, some very uh, ugly things. Um, but they they're selling. They're, they're putting people into slavery. The the needy for a pair of sandals. Those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and turn aside the way of the afflicted, a man and his father go into the same bed. Uh, sorry, into the same girl, so that my holy name is profaned. <coughs> they lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge, and in the house of their God they drink the wine of those who have been fined. Um, and God talks about how he was the one who saved them and delivered them, but this is how they... They've become, and he's going to judge them. Um, Chapter 3, hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. This is remarkable. So he says, you know, you're the only ones I set my special love upon. Remember Deuteronomy 7. They were chosen by God and he, he took Israel, he took Abraham and created a nation and set his love upon them. And so he says that, you only have I known, have I set love, my love upon of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. You see, they received so much light and blessing. God says that he's going to punish them. Um, Okay, so uh, it continues with oracles of judgment and um, look at um, uh, verse 13 of chapter 3. Hear and testify against the house of Jacob, that's Israel, declares the Lord God, the God of hosts, that on the day I punish Israel for his transgressions, I will punish the altars of Bethel, and the horns of the altar shall be cut off and fall to the ground. So, uh, remember when the kingdom was divided, Jeroboam didn't want the Israelites traveling to Jerusalem, to the temple, because he was worried, what if they travel in, down to Jerusalem and the leaders there turn the people against me? So what he did was he made his own temples. So he said, guys, you don't have to go down there anymore to Jerusalem. Uh, he creates his own priesthood. Remember, he put up golden calves there, and one of the places was called was Bethel. And so it talks here about Bethel, where they would go. And he says, I'm going to judge Bethel. 
Then he says, verse 15, I will strike the winter house along with the summer house. So this idea of tremendous wealth so that they have two homes, you know, a holiday home, a winter house and a summer house. Uh, And the houses of ivory shall perish and the great houses shall come to an end, declares the Lord. Then he says in chapter four, hear this word, you cows of Bashan. Okay. Um, So he's talking about woman there. It's quite quite strong language. Yes. Um, So these are women who, well, let's read it. Who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that behold, the days are coming upon you when they shall take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish, hook, fish hooks. I sort of, it reminds me of those, you know, um, TV series, Housewives of Durban yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. These very wealthy and full mm. of themselves and that's what's going on. They oppress the poor, mm. the, the, the people that work for them. They are... Um. Now it says you'll be taken away with fish hooks. We know that the Assyrians would do that. They would actually use hooks. They would hook their captors through the flesh and hook them to the next person. So that's what happened to... to um, the Assyrians were very cruel. Okay. Mm. Um, they were, they would skin people alive. They would. Um, Are the guys after Babylon or before? Before. Mm. Okay. Um, we have some of the reliefs, some of those, you know, on a wall, those sort of carvings of the things they would do. Mm. So you have sort of pictures of piles of heads and hands, and so they were they were known for their cruelty. And even the Lord says, "I'm going to raise up a nation that is cruel." Um, the Lord said that he's tried to win Israel he says in verse 6 of chapter 4 I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places cleanness of teeth means they didn't have anything to eat Okay. (laughs) so what he's he's saying is I tried to warn you I I, I took food away from you but you didn't return to me I, I withheld rain from you and the harvest so you see, it's, 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 I suppose it's, you know, you discipline, child still doesn't listen. You discipline, this child still doesn't You discipline. Eventually, that's what the Lord is doing with Israel. I'm disciplining you, but you don't listen. I discipline you. So I'm just going to have to hand you over to another nation. Okay. You, you don't listen to anything that I tell you. When I try and chasten you and discipline you, it, you don't listen. Um, okay um, chapter 5 is really it's in the form of a it's a lament so you can see there hear this word that I take up over you in lamentation O house of Israel it's a funeral dirge so um, it's a song for a funeral. Fallen no more to rise is the virgin Israel, forsaken on her land with none to raise her up. Um, okay, so it goes some more beautiful poetry about the, the fall of Israel. <coughs> 
Then there are uh, some woes on Israel. Um, look at verse 8 of chapter 5. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. So remember, here we have this phrase again that I mentioned to you that we saw with, um, with Joel. So he's, the prophet is saying to them, because they were talking like the day of the Lord is a good thing. They thought we're on the right side of God. The day of the Lord is when God is going to judge our enemies. And the Lord is saying, woe to you. you. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light for you. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your feasts and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Verse 23, take away from me the noise of your songs. See, they were singing, they were singing songs to the Lord and he says, just take it away. It's just a noise. Because they were totally corrupt and oppressing the poor and uh, wicked. And yet they were still coming and giving sacrifices. It's all this hypocrisy. And thinking they're, they're right with God. And he's saying, the day of the Lord's not going to be a good day for you. Okay? Why do you want that day? Um, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion and those who feel secure on the mountain of Samaria. The notable men of the first of the nations to whom the house of Israel comes. Um, so this complacency. Verse 4 of chapter 6. Woe to those who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp and drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. So this, this, they're living in luxury. Everything's fine. No issues. There's no repentance. There's no grief over sin. Um, it's all fine for them. Okay, then in chapter 7, the prophet has these visions. Amos has these visions. Uh, and it, it's quite interesting because... Um, the first vision, verse uh, chapter one, uh, chapter seven, verse one. <clears throat> this is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, He was forming locusts when the latter growth was just beginning to sprout, and behold, it was the latter growth after the king's mowings, when they had finished eating the grass of the land. I said, "O Lord God, please forgive. How can Jacob stand? He is so small." The Lord relented concerning this, and so you see in several of these visions, Amos intervenes. He says, "Please, Lord, look at Jacob." It's a picture of judgment. God's going to judge his people. And we've seen this picture already. You know, if, this, if the sword doesn't get you, the, the plague will get you. Mm. This doesn't, and they're really going to be reduced in number. And he's saying, please, Lord, Jacob is so small. Don't, mm. don't destroy him totally. And the Lord relents. And who's Jacob? He's Israel. Yes. Remember, Jacob wrestles with the angel and then he's called ah, Israel. Okay. No, yeah. no, okay. And then something pretty cool, because Amos is, is out of the ordinary when it comes to prophets. He's not 
sort of where you ex- you'd expect a prophet to come from ordinarily. So remember at the beginning we're told he was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. And um, chapter, chapter 7 verse 10 says, Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel, so one of the priests of, of the, the religion in Israel, those temples that were created and the priesthood that was created, Amaziah sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. So he says, look, Amos is coming with all these prophecies against you. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And then Amaziah the priest says to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah. He's basically saying, go home. Okay, Go back to Judah. And eat bread there and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. So he was a shepherd and he looked after fruit, fruit trees, figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock and the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. And he, and he goes. So he's not a prof- What he's saying to, to Amaziah is basically, I'm not a professional prophet. I don't work for anyone. I don't work for your king. I don't work for another king. <laughs> I'm just yeah, telling you what the Lord is saying. Okay? So he, he, he doesn't say, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go back. He just says, hey, I'm not a prophet. I'm not, I'm not the son of a prophet. Uh, in, in the, in a, you know, he didn't go to school, the school of the prophets. He's not from a line of prophets. He's, he's a shepherd who looked after fruit trees. And so it's, it's pretty cool to see how God uses people from different backgrounds. And they try to shut him up, but he just says, uh, uh, I'm not going to do that. And then he says, to, he says to him, it's pretty hectic. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall be a prostitute in the city and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. So, hectic judgment. But, you see, what he's trying to do, Amaziah, is stop the word of the Lord. So, that's always going to bring hectic judgment. If we try and stop the word of God, uh, go against the word of God. And you see that throughout the scriptures, the false prophets, false teachers. Um, okay. And then one of the judgments that the Lord is going to bring upon Israel is chapter 8, verse 12. Uh, well, let's read from verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. So God is saying, I'm going to remove my word. And that's the most horrific thing. If God removes his light from from anyone, from any nation, from any group, 
doesn't matter if you've got all the food in the world, all the money in the world. There's no hope. Um, there is no salvation. Romans 10, that's what Paul is going to say. You know, unless the word comes, there is no salvation. Uh, we, general revelation, we can learn lots of things about God from creation and nature, but you can't get the gospel. So if God removes his word, it's the most horrific judgment. So when the Word of God starts to be banned, and Bibles are no longer allowed in a country, that's a judgment on that nation. Okay. Um, however, right at the end, remember I said it's mostly judgment, but there is some restoration. So right at the end, verse 11 of chapter 9, in that day I will raise up the booth or the tent or the dynasty of David that is fallen. So, so in, the, in the Babylonian exile, the monarchy comes to an end. Okay. The Davidic line continues because Jesus is a descendant of David. It's not as though that line stops. But the monarchy itself ends because the king is removed and is taken into exile. And even when they return, they're still under Cyrus, they're really just governors, they're not kings, and under the Roman Empire again. But here the promise is that that line, that dynasty, that monarchy will be restored and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. So there's a promise of the restoration of the dynasty or the house of David. And what is so stunning is that this is repeated in Acts chapter 15. So... Let's turn there quickly. So if you know your Bibles, Acts 15 is the Jerusalem Council. So what what Gillian was referring to about where they had the discussion about circumcision. Mm. The Jerusalem Council is the the church in Jerusalem and the apostles. They're trying to figure out what must we do with these Gentiles when they get saved. Should they be circumcised? Must they, you know, what, what are we to do with them? And so they have this discussion. Um, and Peter talks because Peter had the experience with Cornelius, with the Gentiles. And he's amazed because what happened at Pentecost happens to these Gentiles. And he realizes, wait, there's no second-class citizens in God's kingdom. The Jews are not first-class citizens in God's kingdom and then Gentiles. He, he, it's interesting, and, and Acts, he keeps repeating, just as it happened to us, just as it happened to us. It's mind-blowing for him, but it's the truth. that, and, and remember, he has the dream, what God has called clean, don't call unclean. If God has made a Gentile, saved a Gentile, they're clean. And so... Um, James, after hearing all of this, he says in verse 13, after they finished speaking, James replied, brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And so he says, we, we, we see now God is saving Gentiles. And then he says, and with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. 
I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who makes these things known from old. So here he quotes Amos and he says that the inclusion of Gentiles into the church is the fulfillment of this promise of the restoration of the house of David. So, um, if if uh, you know some Christians are still looking for the restoration of Israel mm. as an ethnic nation, will the the apostles see the coming in of the Gentiles as the fulfillment of those promises? Mm. Okay, so they reinterpret it to say, well, it's always about the true Israel, and so James says, hey. This is a fulfillment of this prophecy. Um, the Lord has bringing in the nations and rebuilding the house of David. The true Israel under King Jesus, under the true David, is Jews and Gentiles. Any questions or comments on that so far? Can I just, as a side note, I'm just looking at what at all these things that happened at Bethel. I was just thinking about that church in America, that's Bethel Church. Oh, yes. And I'm just sort of thinking, is it a name you actually want to give yeah. the church? You know what I'm thinking? I was also thinking that. <laughs> so much stuff that happened. Bad there. stuff. The word is a good word. It, it means house of God. Oh, okay. Um, Beit. Anything with Beth in the, is house. Beth, Beit Lechem is house of bread. Bethlehem. Um, so... It's not. It's a good word, house of God, but. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was talking with some guys on the weekend, because sometimes you you meet people and uh, we were talking. They they met someone called Absalom, and you sort of think, why would somebody call their son Absalom? Or, and then the other guy said, yeah, he knew someone who was called Judas. Think, Shame. That's. <laughs> um, Okay, last book, Obadiah. Uh, And so this is a bit out of the ordinary because generally the prophets are all to Israel or Judah. And within that, they'll have uh, oracles of judgment on the nations. But Obadiah is, is a prophecy against Edom, the Edomites. That's all it is. Uh, when we get to Jonah as well, Jonah is to the Ninevites. Okay. Mm. So we do have these examples, but it's out of the ordinary. Ordinarily, it's to Israel or Judah. And... Where was Edom? Okay, so good. Yeah. So Obadiah. Yeah. Um, Edomites are the big oaks, eh? The giants. No. Right. Um, e. The Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Oh, okay. And Edom is also called Idumia later on. And actually Herod comes is an Idumean King Herod, the one who tries to kill the Lord Jesus. Mm. So here's our map, Mediterranean Sea. Put the camera down a bit.
has the Jordan River, the Lake of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea. Um, Jerusalem's about here. Uh, Edom is here. It's the sort of northeast of, of Israel in what is modern day the Jordan. Mm. The Jordan country, country of Jordan, yeah. at the bottom, bottom, uh, uh, did I say north, I meant south, south, south east of, of Israel. Um, and that area is very rocky. Mm. So it's a good place to defend. In fact, that's where Petra is. You've heard of Petra? Yeah. It's a rock band. No, <laughs> oh, no, that's what I was thinking. She didn't like So, Petra is, uh, and you can go and Google it, it's quite beautiful. So, it's mm. actual like uh, houses and buildings <laughs> built into the rock. Built into the side of the rocks. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And when, it, when, remember when Jesus, Jesus said, when you see these things happen, then flee. He tells the Jews, he says, tells his disciples, when you see Jerusalem surrounded, flee. Okay. When the Romans come to destroy Jerusalem in AD 70, the Christians remembered Jesus' words and they fled and they survived. The Jews who said, no, God will never desert us. You know, he'll never let the temple be destroyed. They stayed and were wiped out. And the, 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 Josephus writes about it, how the blood just flowed on the streets. It's like horrific. Because, because the Romans were so angry by that time because they just had enough. Uh, we'll talk about it more when we get to Revelation and other books. But what year was it? AD 70. Uh, AD 70 AD. 70 AD, yeah. Okay. The Christians, many of them fled to Petra. Mm. Uh, and they, they wow. survived there. Um, so now these days, is, are they, is, is there quite a strong Christian standing there? No, it's Jordan. Yeah. Oh, it's Petra Jordan? Yeah, it's in Jordan. Mm. Yeah. Oh. So, Edom, that's, that gives you an idea of the, the stronghold. You know, they, they were very proud. Nobody can attack us. Um, but the Lord is judging them. And this is probably written around about the, the time of the fall of Jerusalem. So 586, 587, around about there. And if you go to, quickly, we didn't, we didn't have time to do it before, I don't think, Psalm 137. It's one of the imprecatory psalms, very, very strong imprecatory psalm. What's it bring A curse. So it's written in the exile. So verse 1 says, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. You probably know it from Boney M. Um, that Boney M don't sing the whole thing. <laughs> so there, they, they can't sing. Verse 4, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? We exiled, if I forget you, Jerusalem. Verse 7, Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites. The day of Jerusalem, so the day when Jerusalem fell, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. 
O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed. Blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Okay. So it's got nothing to do with when God said they must go that way. The world, when they were going through the wilderness and the Edomites, the Edomites no, you can't. Uh, that's the Amalekites. Remember, the Lord remembered the Amalekites who attacked, who wouldn't let them, and then Saul wouldn't kill them. Or, okay. but, um, <clears throat> I mean, these are brothers. I mean, they're related. It's Jacob and Esau. Okay. They're family, mm. okay? and yet. There's this hatred, so much hatred. So we know from history that when, when Nebuchadnezzar is destroying Jerusalem and the Jews flee, the Edomites would catch them and take them back and hand them back over to you. So was there that sort of um, um, hatred? Did they both like sort of know the story of Jacob and Esau? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, and the Edomites were like, no, you guys stole. Uh, yeah. So they, they didn't really escape then, if they took them back? <clears throat> no, they didn't. I mean, they got taken into exile. It was part of prophecy as well. This was before the Roman Empire. This is not the Roman one. Yeah. This is oh. 586. Remember, this is written. Oh, okay. So when the, when the Romans were killing them off in their that own picture, they were fine. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. then, then, then. So, okay, all right, so. This is. The, the, when, the ex, when, when Babylonians, Babylonians are coming there and they send them back. Yeah. Mm. So, Obadiah is bringing a prophecy of judgment on the Edomites because of how proud they are. So, um, look at verse uh, 3. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock in your lofty dwelling. Who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Uh, here you can see it. Um, verse 10. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. Um, verse 14, Do not stand at the crossroads crossroad to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. That's what they did. Hmm. Verse 15, For the day of the Lord is near upon all nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. That's lex talionis, okay? The law of retaliation, mm. an eye for an eye. So uh, what you did. So that's why that psalm, while it sounds very hectic, it's really just simply praying what they did, let it be done to them. Okay? Mm. Um, but it's not for us to sort of make that call. Um, well, we did look at imprecations and that. Um, okay. Uh, notice that they don't, they're not praying, may we do it. They're just praying, Lord, you bring justice okay. on them. So we should pray for justice. Okay. Um, okay. So this is a, a prophecy of judgment on Edom. But right at the end, verse 21, 
21 chapter. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. So right at the end, there's also promise that ultimately there will be a savior who rules over the Edomites as well. Okay. Um, but again, it's a picture of the seed of the serpent, seed of the woman, because as I said to you, Herod comes from this line. And he tries to kill Christ. So you see Jacob and Esau. We've seen this, this struggle all the way through. Could be wrong. I'm not sure if you know. But doesn't like Islam, the Islamic religion, also sort of come from Esau? Ishmael. The, the Ishmael. Ishmael, yeah. No, it's the same as Jews. Jews are not believers in our God. They worship an idol. It's a God in their own image. They don't believe in the Trinity. They don't believe in Jesus. So... Um, Remember, Jesus even yeah. says to the Jews, yeah. you're of your so father, the devil. So, they've changed it around, um, saying that Ishmael was the one that was supposed to be sacrificed. Okay. Um, and uh, Isaac was the one that was exiled. So we're uh, finishing early for this time. For two minutes early, for a change. Cool. Let's see, any questions? But, uh, um, yeah. Well, good. No. Oh, you have a question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why? More of like a general question, just to do with the prophets. Why, like, why, why was God asking them to do such extreme things? Was it just that bad in the nations, and were the people just that bad? Because I feel like, like, I don't know, God. At least maybe I don't see it. But I feel like God's not asking people to do extreme things like that nowadays. Yes. So, so um, he's not. Yeah. Um, we don't have prophets. Okay. Um, so uh, we're we're called now simply to proclaim God's word. Mm. Um, okay. We love you, enemy. We we what um. The writer of Hebrews says that, so it's quite an interesting, um, passage right at the beginning. He says long ago at many times, so at at many times Mm -hmm. throughout history and in many ways. So not in always in the same way, sometimes through visions, dreams, prophecy, um, Acts, um, symbolic acts. Uh, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, 
whom he appointed the heir of all things. So now the final revelation is Christ. Okay. And so now all we do is proclaim, okay. proclaim Christ as he's revealed in the Bible. Hmm. It's no more that we need to do symbolic sign acts or okay. <clears throat> anything like that. That was a way that God... So God wasn't just like being theatrical. It, it had meaning. Well, it was theatrical okay. to symbolize something. Mm. So it was, it was, it is drama, okay. but it's, okay. it has a, as all, as true drama should have purpose yeah. and an intention. It is, it is um, powerful. My, my thing is like, that it, did it have to be that extreme? Would, would people only okay. sort of pay attention if it was that extreme? No, I think yeah. that the reason it's so extreme is because if you, if we fully get how sinful we are, and how loving and holy and amazing God is and how righteous he is, then the only things must be shocking. They must be huge okay. because it's, we're dealing with such big things. Uh, mm. So it has to be dramatic to try and like get us to see, sure, God is amazing. Like, mm. like he still loves Israel after everything she's done to him. And he was so good to her and he was... Um, or... They brought so much shame upon themselves that the prophet mm. has to walk around naked. This is how shameful you've behaved. This is how God is going to strip you naked. And um, mm. so I think that's it's it's, okay. it's to to show the the weightiness of everything. Because um, this is not a religion or something. It's it's the truth. It's God mm. and us and our sin and salvation and <clears throat> yeah so I think it has to be radical okay let me let me pray for us well father thank you for our time together thank you for these these four books that we were able to look at um, thank you lord that you are so amazing lord we we deny you we betray you we're disloyal to you yet you continue to love us you're so faithful. Uh, we pray that we would be quick to repent, Lord. Help us to hate our sin. Please forgive us for our sin, Lord. And help us to love you more and to, um, to not take your grace for granted. Please keep those who are traveling safe and continue to keep us from sin and help us to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. <clears throat>